0: You are listening to conversations with international professionals where we discover the challenges and rewards of communicating across language culture and leadership we are sponsored by leadinenglish.com your official site for mastering clarity impact narrative where you can get 32 coaching sessions to up your game and deliver results in no time now here is your host vince Barrello.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Vince Morallo of Lead in English, we're sponsored today by Mastering Clarity, Impact and Narrative, MCIN. Now is your time to be a great leader in English. Our guest today in our podcast, Conversations with International Professionals, is Stefan Mardix. and he is the CEO of House of Leading Brands. He's also my partner in Lead in English and a very good friend. Welcome, Stefan. Well, hello, Vince. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah. You know, when we first met several years ago, I distinctly remember you had a very positive reaction to the term international professionals. And I'd love for you to kind of share with our audience what resonated with you. And please go ahead and share some stories about that.
0: Yeah, it's a great term. And uh, I know you have created this phrase. I think it's great because we're all professionals, of course, working in English. And in our case, you know, not being a native English speaker, so being a non-native English speaker, we feel that really we are international professionals and it's a big community. And you've actually talked about the need to
1: build a community around this. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Well, you know, what we do is not easy. Leading in English, you know, across borders. Doing business with many cultures, leading in an Anglo-Saxon environment, there is some challenges every day, and I think there is so much best practices and struggles, you know, we can share as a community. So I really love what you are doing, Vince, in creating MCIN and leading in English. It's exactly what it is about. Thanks, Stefan.
1: This journey is indeed very exciting. I think sometimes on the surface, when we're doing business with people who are working in basically a foreign language, it's just not native to them. Sometimes I think the challenges are a little bit hidden and beneath the surface. Sometimes they boil to the top. But if you can share with us uh, and our audience a little bit about what those challenges are and how you see them.
0: Well, you know, when you have an accent, or that <laughs> and obviously I do, people... First, we'll notice your accent before really anything, before your expertise. So there is, uh, you know, a few seconds of adjustment. I'm thinking specifically about working with English native speakers, because when we're working with non-native English speakers in English, that's not an issue. We all know we have an accent. So I was this morning with uh, someone in Egypt and someone in, uh, in Europe and it was obvious, so we didn't have to have those few seconds of adjustments. We knew what we had to expect. But when we are dealing, in, and I would say specifically in the U.S., uh, not so much in the U.K. or any, you know, um, uh, English-speaking countries outside of the U.S., but in the U.S., when you are dealing in the U.S., and I, I've been living in the U.S. for 20 years, when you deal in the U.S., you have those few seconds of adjustments. And then, you know, in my case, you know, I just wipe the ice and, you know, I live in Texas, in Dallas, Texas. So um, people can hear my Texan accent, of course. And, uh, you know, just, <laughs> but just, just, but yeah, it takes just a, a little bit of an adjustment for sure. A lot of
1: the senior level executives who come to us say, it's, we want to get rid of our accent. We want to sound more like a native speaker. And, you know, our reaction to that is your accent is fine, just the way it is. And native speakers have also have accents. That so much depends upon where you're operating in the world. What about the relationships then between the native and non-native speakers of English?
0: What are your thoughts on that? Vince, I love accents and I'm not going to lose mine. I'm not even ever going to try to lose mine. It's who I am. It's my DNA. And like Henry Kissinger said, it's my trademark. So, I mean, actually, I don't have to introduce myself. I just say hello, and people know who I am. And I love accents. I love any accents. It's probably my favorite things. I think it's so rich and intriguing. And, you know, I deal in over 100 countries, you know, on a weekly basis. I, I really connect with everybody worldwide. And it's my joy. I joy hearing different accents. And even in the U.S., I love, again, I'm in Texas, and I love the Texan accent. It's something very, very cool to me. I love any accents in the U.S. And I, I think when people have a neutral accent, I find it very boring, actually. Isn't that interesting? What you're saying is that
1: your accent is beautiful just the way it is. Now, if we can convince people that accent is not a pain point, which is often the perception, and communication across languages would be a lot easier a running theme in our book leading in english is it takes two to tango
0: stefan tell our audience what that means well you know vince it's kind of uh, amazing to me i would say 90 percent of the people i'm dealing with i'm talking specifically americans because again We have very little issues outside of of the U.S. or no issues at all between non-native English speakers. You know, that's a non-issue. But, you know, in the U.S. where people are not used to hearing accents, specifically foreign accents, and, you know, something funny enough, I know many people in the U.S., especially in the South, who have a hard time listening to the BBC and watching uh, BBC uh, TV shows. And understanding, you know, uh, some uh, strong English accent. So, you know, it's really about accent. You could be British, you could be French, your accent like mine or German or Brazilian doesn't matter. But what I find amazing is so most of the people will get 99% of what, for example, what I'm pitching or explaining or saying. Maybe, you know, they will stop on one or two words, but frankly, je will, French people, will if I speak French, will stop on one or two words I'm saying, too, you know, so nothing weird there. And sometimes I will be using some words by intent, which, are you know, would be a bit uh, unique anyway. But having said that, some people will have a hard time and there is some style shifting where I feel that I need to make them comfortable and I will make a little bit of a fun of my accent and I will slow down a little and make them comfortable about it and acknowledge it. You know, it's from the get-go and say, look, if you have any issues, understanding what I'm saying, don't hesitate to, um, you know, to stop me at any stages. But people are buying my expertise and because they are buying my expertise, they are paying attention and they really are making an effort to connect and understand me. Where it would be way more challenging is outside of the business setting. And, you know, uh, frankly, if I go to a drive through, uh, in, uh, anywhere, you know, and, um, I need to order, uh, some food items in some cases. Yeah. I would, uh, it's kind of even funny. It would be like some uh, movies, you know, we see where <laughs> people have to uh, repeat 10 times, you know. <laughs> what you need to order, but, you know, there's techniques, so I say I want a number one and, you know, uh, with a Coke or whatever. But yeah, outside of the business uh, setting, it could be challenging, but in the business setting, it's just style shifting if needed and adjusting, giving uh, a little bit of, um, you know, again, an adjustment time for people just to get comfortable and reset their uh, listening skills. Let's stay with that for a second, because I'm thinking of our listeners right now.
1: And and there are a significant number of people who are listening to this, and they oftentimes will lose a lot of confidence if somebody turns and says, could could you say that again? Could, could, could you repeat that, please? And we have just found over the years working with folks that that is sort of, it just brings people down a little bit. And the first reaction in their minds is, they don't understand me. Or maybe it's frustration. They should understand me. I I mean, either one of those. Um, So kind of what advice do you have for a listening audience?
0: Oh, Vince, that's such a great point. So look, in some cases, and if you are in, in some corporations, some native English speakers may use this technique and maybe sometimes you know it will be subconscious or anything but sometimes I may use it to destabilize you clearly can you repeat what you just said and yeah it's it's very challenging to have to repeat yourself and you lose confidence but i know for a fact that in some cases it will be just because you are doing so well that some people will have fun to destabilize you that could happen and you need to be at peace with that number two Sometimes it will be genuine. and But you know what? I hear and I know in many cases, in between English native speakers and specifically in between Americans, very often they will ask, you know, their counterpart to repeat themselves. And it's not because of a specific accent. It's just because they didn't get it, got distracted. In my case, I mean, truth to be told, you know, I have this French accent. So, of course, you know, there's this um I don't know if it's a folklore, but, you know, specifically in the U.S., there is a kind of um, something intriguing about it. And there may be some listeners, for good reasons, may be uh, distracted by it and didn't focus on what I was saying. But when you are in your expertise in your field, you should assume that it's just that people didn't get what you said. And it's not always, I would say most of the time, it's not an accent issue. It's about understanding what you are saying. Look, I'm fascinated by the Dalaï Lama. And yes, it's not always easy to listen to the Dalaï Lama and, and what he says, but I pay so much attention that I want to capture every word that he's saying. And I will, uh, so you said, you know, earlier, it takes two to tango. I will make the effort to, uh, to listen again and again and again until I get 100% of what he's saying. So my advice is sometimes some people will be... Playing a little bit with you and that, it happens. Let's be clear, I've seen it. But most of the time, it will be genuine and just repeat what you said, rephrase, and stay focused because very often it's genuine. A way of
1: confidently responding to, can you repeat that, is to say, well, I'd be happy to. I want to make sure we're all on the same page. That response shows confidence in the message. But these situations can be very complicated. The perceived problems of accent are ingrained and somewhat dangerous. Now, here's an example from one of our clients, a French company running a customer service center in the United States. Their customers are mostly from the Midwest, and many are not used to accents, especially on the phone. All of the service reps are from France and certainly well-versed in the complicated technology of their products. When they came to us they said we really need an accent reduction program for our reps well i coached the client that the big issue was being understood and that sound production and rhythmic patterns were only a part of it so instead we focused on clarity of expression making sure that the intended message is the received message in the end the client realized that some of the reps with the "quote unquote" strongest accents were actually the easiest to understand. Communication strategies were far more important than accent.
0: Yeah, I think if you if you are dealing with an Italian firm, you are expecting often to get an Italian accent, right? A French company is the same, and I think that's okay because you are buying a French product or an Italian product or you know a Japanese product. But you're absolutely right. First of all, there is a lot of work prepping, preparing, being coached, and checking that what you are seeing is clear. So this clarity is absolutely key. Working on the accent here, I mean, you can try. I mean, in my case, I I even don't bother. I don't even care about it, frankly. I care about my expertise and being understood. But I understand for some people it's challenging. I know a, a wonderful lady. She has a beautiful Hispanic accent, and she's an entrepreneur. She would do really, really well worldwide, but in her mind, her accent is a challenge. And she's very timid and hesitant to do business outside of her language. And for me, it's very it's sad because she needs to build this confidence. What you do so well, and what MCIN is about is helping people to get this confidence. And there's so much but many services, products that can be offered on a worldwide basis. And I know some leaders are hesitant just because of how they feel about their English or accent. And anything we can do to help them to build this confidence and work with their. And you know, it's really your own nightmares, how you feel about it. And if you can walk them through techniques to build this confidence um, that will be a win for everybody we work with a lot of folks that are getting ready
1: for promotions they're on they're already their performance has already landed them in a high level position and they feel like if they don't take care of this last piece they're not going to get to that next level you are an experienced confident global executive Let's take that audience in mind. It feels like that next step in their career is being held back because of their language skills, their culture skills, um, their
0: leadership skills. Any advice that you have for that specific set of folks? Great question, Vince. Uh, I'm the chairman of the board. I'm on many boards of some companies, and I can see that there is this perception of a boardroom presence what people call a boardroom presence. And many communication so-called experts and training and, you know, they will film you and coach you to develop this boardroom presence. And that makes me really upset because, yeah, of course, there is this uh, Anglo-Saxon behaviors expected and rewarded, clearly. But thanks to uh, the diversity, equity and inclusion, movement, boardrooms, and leaders are now understanding need j- j- more diversity and inclusion. And I find many boards to be, and it's not just a gender issue, but it's uh, a way of speaking issues. And typically, I can see, you know, some people with an accent may feel that they don't belong, and especially you know, uh, in some high-level interactions. And that's totally wrong. It's evolving rapidly. That's a good news. But... I would advise anybody, don't waste your time in trying to develop this boardroom presence. It's a waste of time. You would be promoted. You will get to those boardrooms. But anyway, you will be promoted as any level of leaders, including CEO, because of your expertise, because of your people skills, because of who you are, what you have achieved. And, And stay yourself. Be yourself. It will work. Just be humble, you know, it's what I do. I always make comfortable about my accent, you know, from the get-go at any big uh, settings, but develop your expertise, develop your skills. And the good news, again, uh, things are evolving really rapidly.
1: Let's stay with that boardroom presence for a second, because I think that's really rich. And recently working with actually more than one individual whose authentic style is quite confident, prefer to be quiet and listen intently. But the perception that these individuals are getting is that they're reluctant to share their voice. So it's not really only about language, but it's also about culture. You know, just kind of curious your reaction. Well, how do we coach an individual like that who's in that
0: situation, you know, so that their voice is actually heard? i played by the rules. And I think that if you are in a boardroom in in New York, there are some rules where it's okay to interrupt people. It's almost a game. I mean, interruption is a a way we communicate in many places. I can see if you are Japanese, for example, that's probably not the way you would be uh, communicating in the boardroom. Because in Japan, it's very unusual. I mean, it's kind of cliche, but to interrupt anybody, uh, you know, during a presentation. I would say the same way it takes two to tango, native English speakers have to pay attention and really focus in listening and trying to get. In the same way, the other side of it takes two to tango is to style shift yourself in adapting to the rules. And so the same way you would adapt to a boardroom in Tokyo, you need to adapt in a boardroom in New York and know that if you don't speak up, you know, people will say, we think that you have nothing to say, and therefore you have to push yourself to do it. And there are some techniques that you can learn. And it's what you do in some MCN, you know, learn those techniques on how you can, in a polite way, interrupt, get your point across. You have to adjust.
1: And in that adjustment, if you could address for a moment the value of remaining authentic and embracing your style. And, and what I, I like to encourage people to do is to understand first their preferred style and then flex accordingly. I'm responding to the word shifting here as well, that you said, it doesn't mean become somebody else. It just means increase your range of expression so that you can adjust to the
0: situation you're in. Put a little light on that, please. That's 100% correct. I mean, you you keep your your values and you keep who you are, what I said, you know, being your own DNA, of course, but in the same way, you would be adjusting to talking to five years old, you know, your your style shift to five years old, right? You can adjust the same way to speak to a boardroom in New York. It's a different style. And of course, you stay who you are. And of course, you are not actors, you know, well, who we are, we're not going to play a fictional character, but there's some, I mean, it's all about preparation. You know, I was talking to a friend recently who is a pitch expert, and I think he told me that it takes 10 hours to prepare a three-minute pitch, 10 hours to prepare a three-minute speech. It's all about preparing, preparing, preparing. We have many clients who are working in
1: English every day and living in Asia, Europe. Latin America, they're working in one language but living in another. Plus the work today tends to be both remote and virtual. Stefan, what advice can you share for the millions of people working in English as a non-native language but living in their native countries?
0: Very tiring, I know that. You know, it takes a lot of effort to uh, switch back and forth, you know, and it's not easy. You have to manage your energy. My advice is, specifically when you do business in English, give yourself one or two minutes in between meetings just to recenter yourself, to refocus and rethink. Because your brain, for example, if you in different languages, you will be using you know, different analogies, storytelling, jokes, and they don't translate well. It's not about translating, thinking that whatever you would send in your own language will be exactly what you would say in English. It's two different things. So the best advice I would give is, again, preparation, but give yourself a few minutes, being quiet, recentered, and readjust your brain to get ready to start your meeting in English. Get yourself a break in between meetings. Don't go directly from one language to another. Yeah, that's great advice.
1: And for those folks who are listening out there in that situation, I, I think that's a wonderful thing. And what it also brings up, too, is that sometimes working across language and culture creates a personality shift where not everybody is shy in their native language. They're quite confident in their native language, quite confident in their, in their cultural norms and orientation. And then they get into communicating very important business, career-altering business, in another language and the term that has come up is debilitating lack of confidence and so i think your advice to try to relax that from a centering position i think it's wonderful any other thoughts on that
0: yeah and you're absolutely right it's not about grammar we, we know that it's not about using specifically exactly the same the exact word that you have to use, you know, in in your presentation, whatever you do, it doesn't really matter because I know a lot of Americans making a lot of grammar mistakes as well, you know, and they don't care, they really don't care. What they care about is what you can add to the equation, your views. And I find it uh, being a strength, actually, to be a bicultural or having different perspectives, specifically in the leadership level. And that's why I love seeing foreign leaders in charge of teams because they add richness and cultural differences, which are really adding a lot to um, whatever, you know, uh, companies uh, are doing, selling, producing. Don't be too concerned by it because I know it's a major issue and it has been for me for a long time but stay focused on your messaging and what means what you are doing about confidence. I think it's really what it is about. And typically, English schools don't really help you with the confidence level. They will focus on uh, details details of language-specific uh, grammars and, and wording, but it doesn't really matter to a point, but it doesn't really matter What you do, Vince, about helping and what MCN does about helping with the confidence factor, it's really what it is about. Anything else, in my opinion, is a distraction and a waste of time.
1: You've done two things for our audience. One is you've demonstrated a level of confidence that folks will want to emulate and embrace, but you've also done it with a sense of modesty and humility. And there's no room for arrogance in this approach. So what you've given our audience, I think, is magnificent. You know, any final comments before we end? I want to thank you, but let me turn it over to you first.
0: Well, no, thanks, Vince, for what you do. We need a multicultural world. We need to work together. We need to understand each other. We need to learn from each other. If you are a non-native English speaker and you want to get promoted and succeed or Sell your products as an entrepreneur. Build this confidence. The world needs you. You have a lot to bring, to add, to offer. Don't be scared about doing business in English. It's not easy, but with practice and uh, learning those techniques, you will get this confidence that you need. But keep going to do what you do stefan thank you for allowing me to
1: share this journey with you we're, we're on a path together along with york schmidt and i really feel like this has been enlightening for me and in my career so uh thank you for for sharing in that journey and from our listening audience thank you for uh really sharing with us from deep in your heart exactly you know the process that people should use when they're confidently communicating. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Conversations with International Professionals. If you have an interest in the in course or want to take the free assessment, visit us at leadinenglish.com.